I never figured you for having an identity crisis, Clark. Oh, it's for a friend. I haven't heard that one before. What's your friend's problem? Napoleon or Messiah Complex? Actually, he thinks he's an alien. So that proves he isn't. Hmm? Come on, Clark. If you were really an alien, would you go around telling people about it? Probably not. Let me guess. Your friend, he's a little odd. Spends a lot of time alone. Thinks no one understands him. I just described myself in high school. It's a classic outsider profile. I'd say he's just trying to get attention. You believe there are aliens among us, Clark? I just want to help him. Give me his name. I can talk to some people. I promise to keep it private. He's trying to avoid any more doctors. By the way, I have to congratulate you. Offering to board Whitney's horse. That was a masterful stroke. Oh, I didn't do anything. She needed a place for her horse and I offered it. So did I. But she turned me down. I told her she can keep him in the mansion stables for free of charge. I guess she was just holding out for the right offer. Somebody save me indeed. Hello and welcome to Farm to Fable, a Smallville rewatch fan cast. I am your forever host, Michael, and I'm also the host of the RPG Academy podcast, where I talk mostly about role-playing games, but all tabletop gaming in general. I also organize a three-day gaming convention held in Dayton, Ohio, each November. Before we get started, please be advised that Farm to Fable may include adult language and reference adult behavior. Please consider us PG-13 in regards to content acceptability for your young ones. Also, this is your spoiler warning. While we will focus on each episode week to week, our discussions may and likely will reference the entire series run and the wider Superman mythos. You can email our show at smallvillefancast at gmail.com with any comments, concerns, or questions. Please follow us on Twitter at Farm2Fable and join our Facebook group page at Smallville Farm to Fable. With all of that out of the way, let's meet today's co-host. Hi, everybody. I'm Mira. I am very happy to be back on the podcast, discovered by Michael, given permission to rewatch Tom Welling in his finest <laughs> role. Um, and I play a ton of RPGs, and I uh, help with the No More Damsels charity. And you can find me anywhere online at Mira Manga. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming back. I had a wonderful time the first time you were on. It was absolutely a pleasure, and I'm so excited you agreed to come back again. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and then just a quick update. I did reach out to a couple writers, and I have yet to hear back from anybody. So Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. It's been a while, so I'm, I'm not hopeful at this point. But maybe. I'm sure they, you know, they probably get tons of unsolicited emails. I may have went to a junk folder. I don't know. But uh, I sent a couple out, which I will say was actually harder than I thought. Because when I went to IMDb to find people, it wanted me to sign up for IMDb Pro. Oh. But then I was able to just like search people by name. And I found a couple of them had like blogs and a couple of them on Twitter. So I picked a couple. I sent them some unsolicited messages. And I said, so far, nothing. But I'm still hopeful. Never know. Never know. Never know. All right. So let's jump into this week's Pass the Torch question. So last week, Ryan had asked, and this was in relation to last week being the Rosetta uh, episode, uh, if you could learn any one language, possibly even using the Rosetta Stone software, uh, what language would you want to learn? And this can be any fictional or real world language. Okay, so I 
have recently started doing an app called Walk to Mordor. Okay. You put your steps in and you follow the Hobbit's path out of the Shire, right? And I've passed the Black Rangers and I just met the elves. It's very cool. I've walked like maybe 10, 15 miles or something. And um, I just thought it would be so cool to speak Elvish because if there was ever any possibility of meeting a, a real life elf who looks like, you know, an Orlando Bloom, mm. that would be very handy to be able to speak the lingo. So that was my choice. But how about you? What you know, you- I don't want to like steal your thunder, but Elvish would definitely be near the top of the list. And for me, it's Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler yeah. as um, in that movie. Oh my God. But I think Klingon would be pretty cool. I think in real world, I mean, Spanish, just so helpful. You know, French, I studied French in college for like a week. Uh, I was uh, French, <laughs> French with the Kentucky accent sounds weird. But now? I, I, I do, I think end of day probably would be Elvish. So we, we could go to Mordor together. Oh, I love that. I love that. Awesome. All right. So with that out of the way, let's open the Smallville yearbook and see who our notable guest stars are. Hey, Clark, look who came to check up on you. For this episode, the co-host was Jer Adrian Lelliot as Cyrus Krupp. And we also have Chad Faust, Chris Pope, and Jake Moyer as the three Smallville bullies. So now it's time to grab a copy of this week's Daily Planet and check the bylines to see who brought us this episode. I mean, that's a story that could land you a byline on the front page of the Daily Planet. So we're here today to discuss Season 2, Episode 18, Visitor. The date of original airing was April 15th, 2003. The character of Superman was created by Jerry Cycle and Joe Schuster, and Smallville was created by Alfred Goff and Miles Miller. The writer for this episode is Philip Levins. And Rick Rosenthal directs this episode, his second of seven. Alrighty, Mira, are you now ready to explore the Kawachi Caves to get a glimpse of where we came from as well as where we may be going? Absolutely. I bought my headlamp. <laughs> ready for the summary? Absolutely. Okay. After his schoolmate Cyrus Krupp claims to be an alien, and seemingly proves it by using heat vision, Clark investigates and begins to believe that the boy is from Clark's home planet, Krypton. And that's great and all, but it doesn't tell us what we really need to know. So let's dig a little deeper into these caves and ask the important questions. Does this episode feature a vehicle crashed or otherwise destroyed? Absolutely, in stunning fashion, in Superman superpower style. Oh yeah. Uh, Does this episode feature someone falling unconscious for any reason? I mean, are they allowed to make them without this happening now? Occasionally. Very rarely, but occasionally. Yes. Does this episode feature someone in a hospital bed? Of course. Does this episode feature Clark telling or showing someone besides his forever crush Lana his powers and abilities? Yes, indeed. Follow-up. Does that person then die, lose their memory, or otherwise becomes unable to share this knowledge, or do they become a confidant of Clark's? Yes, they become a confidant and then almost immediately have a mental breakdown. Yes. Does this episode feature Clark using his powers irresponsibly? Mm, This is something we could debate, right? I think so. I I could go either way on this one. Same. Uh, Does Clark casually break and enter a business or residence? Yes, absolutely breaks into the school and also kind of trespassing, like letting himself into Cyrus's shed too. Yeah, he's very open with just going into places. Uh, Does this episode feature a moment where a character travels a seemingly long way to have a short conversation and then leave? Yes. (laughs) Does this episode feature a conversation between two people where one person has their back to the other and is weirdly talking over their shoulder? Of course it does. However, was the person talking weirdly over their shoulder Lex? Uh Uh-uh. No, no. This time it was Dr. Bryce to Lex and then Clark to Lex. So he gets a 
his own medicine. He gets his own medicine this week. Uh, <laughs> does this episode feature a particularly thirsty moment for one or more of our characters? Not that I, well, debatable. Not especially over the top, but of course there was a little bit of flirting. Uh-huh. Uh, does this episode feature a cheeky bit of dialogue that hints at or directly references the Water Superman mythos? Oh, yes. To an annoying amount. Um, <laughs> alien tool and flying away, but it's aimed at Cyrus in this episode, not mm. Clark. Uh, does this episode feature a moment with a needle drop wherein a contemporary song perfectly sums up a character's thoughts and desires? Yeah, we do. And finally, does this episode feature a classic Smallville leap of logic wherein the characters jump to a correct conclusion around who or what is behind some mysterious event or otherwise solves a problem with little to no actual information to base such conclusions? Well, yeah, I mean, Clark has his leap on thinking, oh, he, Cyrus must have just seen my ship, but the whole conclusion just annoyed me so much. Yeah. Yeah, so we can talk about that too. We will talk about that. All right, so now that we have a clear roadmap of where we're going, let's use our X-ray vision and look closely at this week's episode. In our cold open, in the Smallville High Science Lab, a recently transferred student named Cyrus Krupp is working hard to not make friends and generally acting kind of weird. He runs afoul of some bullies when Clarks jumps in, but Cyrus seemingly uses heat vision to start a fire, warning the others to leave him alone. I have a question. Are these bullies always the same bullies in Smallville, or is every week a different set of extras? Yeah, there's. I think there are some that repeat, but for the most part, it's different every time. There's not like one or two bullies that sort of like go through the whole season in high school, so it, it does come up and change. So I do want to say when we open up on the science fair lab, uh, we hear Diamond and Guns by Transplants. And the notable lyrics, it's a wicked world we live in. It's cruel and unforgiving. And I think from Cyrus's point of view, that's absolutely what they are thinking at that moment. Or in just maybe in general. Uh, so this looked to me like, I guess my school didn't have a science lab. This looked like a science fair. Like everybody was working on these little projects and they were making potatoes. Is that something like you would have done in school? Like, I needed to address this on your podcast. In the okay. UK, science fairs are not really a thing unless you're in a special organization or you're outside, you know, you're in science club outside of school, right? But when we watch all these different US uh, sitcoms, like series, sci-fi, whatever it is, you could forgive us for thinking every single term or semester, you guys have to have a science fair. And it's a really big cultural thing. Um, and the the one saving factor of this one was... Normally you see the volcano, right? Someone's yep. made a volcano. So we didn't have that. Um, but yeah, you guys seem to have a lot of science fairs, but you're saying that's not the case. Not the case for me. I have, however, made a volcano or two in my, my time. So we would use a small jar and a basically a bunch of dirt, and then you cover it with uh, candle wax. So then you just take the wax and melt it so it looked like, you know, volcanic. And then you put in some baking powder. And then when you wanted to erupt, you put in just a little bit of uh, vinegar and it would cause a reaction. It would start to bubble and you could food color it. I just did it for fun because I was a giant freaking nerd. This was not for school. Oh, I'm so pleased. I finally know how they do that. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> exactly. So we meet Cyrus. We're in the science lab. What Was there anything about this uh, cold open that kind of stuck out to you? Is there anything truly interesting you want to talk about? Um, I don't know if it's truly interesting, but do you notice like around this time, every special effects department had this thing. It looks like a plate with a lightning going through it. And it's like a really cheap lightning effect thing. It was in Buffy. It was in Smallville. It's in Charmed. And like, <laughs> I'm just like, wow, that was so predominantly used. And I just thought... 
it was a really interesting set. Like I actually stopped stopped to rewind because mm-hmm. I was like, this doesn't look like a school science affair at all. It looked like somebody's grungy garage or something. Right. It's it's very busy. It's very bu- probably unsafe with the amount of different experiments that are going on. It's probably not a safe place to be. And none uh, of the experiments were recognizable to me either. Right? They didn't look like conventional or. Well, the potato clock I had heard of, that that's not one that I had ever done. Uh, or I guess it wasn't a potato, it was an orange citrus <laughs> clock. But yeah, I I couldn't really make out any of the others. I didn't really try though. I probably should have like tried to freeze frame and pick some of them out, but uh, it just kind of went past me. I was really k- kind of, I don't know if enraptured is the right word, but this actor who plays Cyrus, they just look a little bit weird to me. And yeah. it was very just like, again, I just was constantly finding myself staring at them, like which I guess is a good thing when they're an actor or an actress. And, you know, but just I was like, anytime they were on screen, I was just so infatuated in, with them. I would just stare at them to the kind of the detriment to anything else going on. Yeah, I really noticed. I think they probably cast that role. Did you notice the height? Yes, so really, much. Really like vulnerable and fragile, tiny kind of um characterization I definitely noticed that I did struggle I mean one of the things that I should probably have not been worrying about was like what does he need all this power for mm-hmm. I thought all the plugging in was going to play like oh he's an electricity superhero or something but that never really played out that just seemed to be the reason for the bullies to be mad at him yeah and and I'm not giving any credit to the bullies they're clearly jerks but Cyrus is also kind of a jerk and this this actually reminds me of my freshman year in college, I got assigned a lab partner for some science class I was in. Uh, it was I think it was astronomy, and we were doing these little group assignments. You know, each person two two people to a group, and the person I was a, assigned with kind of did some of this. It wasn't exactly the same, but they were like just very much about themselves, and they would like tell people like you're in my way and you're in my way, even though they were in their way. But yeah. they, their, their worldview was all about me. And like, they had no consciousness that other people, like what they would walk in front of them. And I was so embarrassed. Like I was a freshman. I, and this guy was like 50. He was like a, you know, an older person who was just coming back to school, probably just to hang out. I don't know. But I was so mortified, embarrassed by that person's action. They weren't over the top about it, but they were just kind of like jerky about it. Yeah. And that's the, that's what went through my head watching this. It's like, oh my God, I feel like I'm back in that moment. Oh but it is God. kind of a jerk to walk around and just, unplug people's stuff and plug in in front of them you know don't do that well I I mean firstly I literally got the same as you were describing that I was in your emotional like space I feel for you Michael I'm glad you survived that um but I was also thinking if I guess like thinking in retrospect like if you have taken the time to set up this whole magnesium strip fire thing to happen imagine if you had a day with no incidents so you (laughs) have no reason to set fire to the lab so potentially he was provoking that situation. He did seem to be acting particularly like jerkish to, yes. to get that reaction, right? So uh, I think you just solved one of the problems I had with this show. I think you you just much smarter than I am because that was one of my it, my nitpicks was why would he have set this up right. on the off chance that this happened? So I guess he set it up and then made sure it happened so that he would get, because otherwise you're set, like he would have wasted that prep so he wanted someone to to pick on him or to cause a scene so that he could do that, yeah. um, which 
even need that electricity. He didn't even need plugs for his experiment. No, I think he was just trying to instigate. I think you're absolutely right. I totally did not see that, but I think you're 100% correct. We went to out together just now. So. That's right. Teamwork makes the yeah. dream work. So one of the things that happened very recently in the in the fan of the shows is Chloe had that moment where she confessed her love to Clark while Clark was unconscious. And then, of course, he asked for Lana. And I think we're kind of in this phase where Lana and Chloe are both kind of actively pursuing Clark but along different ways. And one of the things that I noticed is when Chloe came over to talk to Petey and Clark, she walks around behind them and she very blatantly puts her hand on Clark's shoulder and kind of, as she like goes behind him, rubs her hand along the back of his shoulders. And you can't really see if maybe she needed to do that because like there wasn't a lot of space, like maybe she was trying to wiggle through, but I don't think so. I think this was just very clearly one of those things that, you know, they, they teach you that, you know, contact is a way that people let other people know that they are attracted to them. I think she just wanted to put her hand on Clark's shoulders as she walked by. Yeah, I noticed that. I feel like even the way the shot was set up and she was very kind of flirty and yeah, there was definitely like, we were meant to notice that, right? I, I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. A hundred percent. She hasn't given up yet. Yeah, not yet. So we see that, you know, Cyrus continues to be a jerk. Eventually, he runs afoul of these bullies who start to pick on him. They pull his headphones off and he's listening to like static or like a dial. I think they say dial tone, but it sounds to me like it's just like white noise type of a thing, which again, kind of weird. And then Clark, of course, being Clark, is comes and says, hey, you know, why don't you guys leave him alone? And I think this Cyrus says something like, you know, I don't need your protection or whatever. He does, he stares off and then we get the whoosh of fire, but we don't see the ripples of heat vision. And so right away, I'm kind of like, why didn't Clark notice that? Or maybe that's just for us. Like, does Clark see his own heat vision or does he just see, like, see the results? Because I kind of thought it was weird that he would have fell for this. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't think it was. I, I mean, I, my limited experience with Clark is he's kind of, very beautiful, but not that brainy, right? <laughs> and I, if you lived in Smallville, like if any, if I saw someone putting out the garbage seemingly effortlessly, I'd be like, oh, they've been affected by a meteorite. <laughs> Easily they took their garbage out. So I'm going to give Clark the benefit of the doubt. He's seen a lot of weird stuff. So maybe he's just now, he's just like straight to the crazy meteorite explanation. Maybe, maybe. So this is where I had wrote, I had questions, but you kind of already answered them that this was clearly set up to happen. And it wasn't just a, if in case of fire break glass, it was create a fire so that I can then break my glass. Well, we don't know, Perhaps potentially he put that up like the first day it happened and he'd just been biding his time, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? But we will learn later that this was set up. Uh, so we'll jump into our first act. Clark lets Lana board Whitney's old horse at the farm. Lex and Dr. Bryce's relationship is not without drama, but they're working on it and growing closer. Chloe drops some info on Cyrus, who has claimed he was an alien. Clark goes to visit him, and Cyrus claims he came to Earth the day of the meteor shower and is trying to signal his parents to come back and get him. So a lot going on in the first act. I've kind of noticed a trend here that these first acts seem to have a lot going on in them, just in the terms of how many scenes and characters, and then it sort of mostly seems to lessen as we go, so it kind of fits the pattern here. I have questions here. This is one of my things is Clark using his powers irresponsibly because we once again get a shot of Clark tossing hay bales effortlessly. Yes. And then we see Lana 
sort of rides up to him and, and there you can see from the shot that she's riding towards him for like a quarter of a mile and yes. it's pretty much straight on. Yeah. So she's been watching him this <laughs> entire time. And, you know, again, I don't look like Tom Welling, but I think anybody who's throwing hay bales single-handedly kind of something I would remark on. And she even says, you know, you do very strenuous farm chores by yourself. I kind of feel like that was sort of a bad, because it's it's so obvious something was happening there. I agree. And on the, on the counter side of that, I was thinking he would have seen her coming miles away, right? Because it's so flat and he has supervision and he's super hearing. And then he's like, oh, you know, and then like looks up and she's right on top of him. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like he A, should have noticed her and B, you know, leaned into the fact that she's can see him and like maybe slow down on the chore. So it just seemed like a weird kind of thing. Uh, but I don't know, maybe he, you know, likes to look strong in front of the girl that he loves. You know, maybe that's part of it. Yeah, he's he's too like proud to fake it, to fake a little weakness. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he picked up the truck or anything, but still, I thought it. I, I wrote it's borderline irresponsible. It may not be be irresponsible, but it's borderline irresponsible use of his powers. I agree. Uh, so we find out here that the horse's name is Tyson, and I didn't double check this, but I thought earlier in the series we learned that it was Heisman, because you know Whitney's football hopes. But maybe there's another horse named Heisman. Maybe that was one of Whitney's horse. I don't know. Or uh, Lana's horses. But I just, so if anybody else is listening who does know, let me know. Did I forget that or not? Yeah, because I guess they don't run that in the credits, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Maybe. I, maybe the horses are named. I don't know. Um, so Lana kind of awkwardly brings up the events in the science lab. And I know this is purely for the plot. We need them talking about it. But it seemed like an odd thing for her to bring up. Chloe told me what happened at the electronics lab. Pretty wild. Yeah, especially when you know how far everything is away. Like, hi, I just needed to give my horse some exercise. Hey, I heard some weird stuff went down, you know. In science lab, yeah. Like, yeah, also like phone. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to have someone go a really long way to have a short conversation, you know? Yep, you're right. You're absolutely correct. That needs to happen. Uh, we get the um, a, a great moment where uh, Clark says, you know, now you know my deepest, darkest secret, which mm -hmm. is funny because it actually is true that, <laughs> you know, it just extended a little bit. That is his deepest, darkest secret. He can do the strenuous tours by himself because he's an alien. And I just thought that was kind of a funny little, uh, almost like a reversal there. If he's being truthful, but secretive at the same time. This made me so mad. Can I tell you why? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because he's supposed to have feelings for this woman and care about her. He's keeping this huge secret from her. Apparently that secret makes him feel very guilty from time to time, right? We've seen that. Mm -hmm. He really wants to let her know. But now he's like kind of making like a deep joke about it. Like, oh, and that felt so like gaslighting or kind of snarky to me. It's like either be guilty and try harder to hide yourself by not flinging hay bales or just tell her. But this kind of felt kind of a bit mean to me, you know? Mm. Anyway, so I, I liked it for the cutesy aspect of it, but I can definitely see that read where you lie to her all the time. The, the main reason you're not together is because you can't help but lie to her. And then here you sort of cheekily tell her the truth while lying to her. Mm -hmm. So, but at the same time, we got to look about, you know, Lana's state of mind is we were about to learn that 
Whitney's mom wants to sell the horse because who might be sick and can't really afford to board them anymore. So Clark obviously offers Lana to let, you know, board the horse at, at her place. So I think we can read in that she wasn't just taking the horse out for a walk. She specifically took it to the farm so she could meet Clark so that she could tell them that hoping that Clark would offer. Like oh. this wasn't serendipitous. This was, a, this was the plan. She, yeah. She's, she's a smart cookie, isn't she? She would have thought this through. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, she knows Clark. She has to know that despite all the problems, he's still wrapped around her finger. And if she says jump, he's going to jump. Absolutely. But this really made me mad again because he was like, oh, just bring the horse over to my place. Do you know how much trouble I would have got if I'd even asked my parents, oh, I just offered to bring a dog back home mm. without like even like having a chat. Like Clark was like, they'll be fine. It's, it's a farm. We take all kinds of livestock everywhere. What else do you got? You have a herd you need like something? <laughs> yeah. I can't guarantee they won't all get poisoned by like barrels from LexCorp, but <laughs> you know, we'll put them in the bar and see what happens. Exactly, but you know, like later on in the episode, they're fine with it. So he obviously knows his parents yeah. really well. But then how spoiled is Clark? Come on. I, but I think this is a Lana thing because we've already seen Martha especially will bend over backwards for Clark to be able to have his relationship with Lana. So even if normally they would have been upset, I think Martha would have been like, it's Lana's horse. It's okay. <laughs> oh, what a cute mama. Yeah. So we got, we cut to the mansion where we find that Dr. Bryce is very frustrated with being in the tabloids and she throws down a paper with the big spread that says gold digging doc bags billionaire baldy. <laughs> being in the home of the offensive, awful tabloids. I mean, that is probably true to form. I can imagine one of the Daily Mail or the Sun having a headline like this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ouch on the billionaire baldy. Yeah. On. That's so harsh. I mean, it's, it's it's easy, though. You know, it's the easy joke. I'm sure they always go for that one. Uh, we find out that she's not moved in yet, and she has some, some reasons slash excuses that, you know, her lease isn't up. She doesn't have time to pack. And then Lex, you know, just flips out his phone. He's like, I'll, I'll pay to break your lease. I'll have movers there in an hour. And, you know, I think if you're a billionaire and you have access to money, that is definitely something that you could... I could lean into like either he wants to try to control her. Cause I know you have a note here that that's kind of creepy controlling behavior, but I also read it as just him saying, I can take away your excuses. If there's a different reason we yeah. need to talk about that different reason rather, you know, I mean, he could have just said that like, you know, let's talk, but that's, I think that was his way of saying, okay, now your excuses are gone. So now why won't you almost like he was expecting that to become a fight. Yeah. I just, I, I found it really interesting because I kind of understood that she was like clearly communicating. I'm not ready. I need more time without mm -hmm. like saying that. Like she was like, I have these things. And then rather than being like, well, okay, we'll do it in your own time. He was like, we'll do it in my time. And then yeah. leaving, he was like, look, if you're not ready to, you know, he basically said poop or get off the pot. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like, come on, like, she just said she wasn't ready. Could she have some more time? And then you push it to ultimatum end game. And I just thought that was classic creepy. But having said that, I do see like, if you're a billionaire, maybe you're just thinking, you're, hey, human, I can just make it easy. Just come and move in. And maybe he just wasn't feeling her feelings. Yeah. You know? 
certainly possible that they're, I th- you know, I think we're seeing that they're not quite on the same page. But she does do a little over-the-shoulder talking because as he's walking away, she says, Can you make it two hours? Which I thought was a fun reversal. You know, he kind of put it out an hour and she said yes, but she still kept a little control and saying, I won't be ready on your timetable. It's mine, mm-hmm. even though it's only two hours versus, you know, like maybe next month like I was thinking. Yeah. And let's also just quickly, I wanted to say, like, they look like the most uncomfortable people ever. They're so always dressed for business. Like, can you ever imagine them relaxing? They always look so like, you know, really nice dress down button shirts and things. And it just makes me feel uncomfortable watching. They're so executive, even at home in the mansion. Put some sweats on. Yeah. Then you like mismatched pajamas, you know, that would have been, that'd be great to see Lex in just like a great uh, sweatpants and then like a weird like purple pajama top or it'd have to be red he always wears red we come over to the farm chloe stops by and just says hey kent i know your secret you know we we learned quickly that she means about lana's horse but i do like to think that clark probably has had that fear mm-hmm. that chloe just stops by and says i know your secret and having said that it's probably got to stop his heart for just a second and be like what what, what do you mean you know but like I was going to say, there are so many episodes of Smallville where that happens. Well, I guess you didn't think I'd find out. What? Oh, that you put them in this barn and not that barn. Like every episode has this kind of like, <gasps> do they yeah. know? Um, I, I can imagine like when, when they were trailing this, that will be the thing. That would have been the line. I know your secret. And then like that would be a trailer. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no, they're going to find out this week. Um, but yeah. That's definitely a trope, right? Oh, hardcore, yes. I know your secret, and it's this other innocuous thing, but you know, we, we assume it's the big thing. Uh, so we find out the science lab is still closed because the fire marshal is investigating. I, did they get a new fire marshal? Because I feel like there's been a lot of times in the past where maybe a fire marshal should have been brought in and just, you know, wasn't there an episode early on where the coach was a pyrokinesis and was just setting fires everywhere there's absolutely no mention of a fire marshal there fire marshal of smallville must be really freaking busy Come it must on. be i think the corner the, there should be a different show just the corner yeah. of smallville like here's a body frozen solid here's a body turned into ants here's a body it's just like trying to explain cause of death in smallville has got to be mind-numbingly difficult <laughs> Maybe the coroner show is X-Files, right? Like, maybe that's the crossover that needs to happen. Mulder and Scully just investigating all these really random Smallville murders. Mm-hmm. Again, we talked once before about having a X-Files Smallville crossover. I think that would be an amazing moment where like Mulder's talking to the local sheriff saying, like, how many murders or how many unsolved murders do you have? And they're like, all of them. Like, we've never <laughs> solved a murder. And then Lada and Scully both get knocked out and be like, yeah, it happens to me all the time. Yeah, me too. I just, I think there's definitely a huge opportunity there for X-Files Smallville crossover. So Clark asked Chloe if he knows how the fire, if she knows how the fire was started. And she said it must be a, a trick or he's an alien. You know, um, apparently at some of his last school, he did tell some students he was extraterrestrial. So that, you know, it's kind of planning for Clark that maybe he actually is. But I I agree kind of like what you were saying earlier. I think Meteor Infected should be like the go-to. Like anytime anything, like where's my keys? There must be a Meteor Infected who has moved my keys because that's what happens all the time. It's just like natural occurrence. Absolutely. Blame it on that. I think so. I mean, as well, I love the 
dynamic here, like of the fact that potentially there could be another alien who has like, so Clark is seeing what happens if you reveal yourself to think you're extraterrestrial, right? So mm-hmm. you're seeing the other side, like Clark keeps a secret, but the guy that doesn't is bullied and everyone thinks he's crazy. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting story. Yeah, it does sort of put a spin on what if Clark did tell the truth. Because you know, I've said many times on here, I think he should tell Chloe. I think he should tell Lana. And we have seen how each of them would probably react. And it's not necessarily overtly negative. But here you see, what if it gets out too much? Or like, what if one person does say something? But it's not like, you know, the government is coming to, to take Cyrus, but it's kind of ruining his high school, you know, get the girl type of moments. So I, I do like it from that. It's that sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? There's a word for that, like a, an exa- a good example of what, what could happen if it doesn't go well. So I think this part where Clark goes to see if he, I think he goes to visit Cyrus here, right? Yeah. And then he's, um, he says that he has, he's getting these coordinates sent to them in his dreams. He's going to build a transmitter, which I kind of find a little bit too much ET phone home. Like I didn't really care for that, but you know, he says that he arrived on earth the day of the meteor shower, which is basically Clark's story. And just last episode, we found out that Clark was alone. Like he basically has been told by um, Christopher Reeves character, Virgil Swan, that he's the only survivor of Krypton. Krypton blew up. And while I think this is a very flimsy story, I think Clark is in exactly the right moment to believe it. I think that's the only reason why this works. If this was even two episodes later in the season, I think it would be just ridiculous. But I think we're just in that moment where Clark is so desperate not to be alone that he's grasping at straws. And, And Cyrus has just enough details to make it plausible. I mean, I, I agree. And it really mirrored the story. The elderly couple took them in and, you know, it was the same day as the meteor shower. I, I completely agree with you. I think it was enough to, to make Clark believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the ET thing, that's really interesting. You brought it up because when we actually see the transmitter at the end, I felt like there was a bit of an homage there, right? To the original ET. So potentially that could have been something they were trying to do too. Yeah, maybe it was intentional. I, just, I, I would have liked something a little different, but I don't know. I mean, if you're trying to signal space with a tower that you build, I guess there's only so many versions it can look like. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then one thing I didn't quite understand is, is Cyrus pretty much like, I think he either sort of calls out Clark or, or there's a, there's a moment here. And my question is after all the people, because I think, I think I'm up to like 30 people now that know Clark's secret mm-hmm. uh, or have learned Clark's secret. I have a hard time believing that he wouldn't have demonstrated one of his powers to try to help get Cyrus's trust here. I mean, he thinks Cyrus could be a Kryptonian. And I also don't know why he doesn't like, hey, here's a rock, crush it with your hands. Or, you know, the other, like, can you move really fast? Clark has multiple powers at this point that have developed X-ray vision, super speed, super strength, heat vision. Could he not have asked, like, can you do anything else? Because he's put a lot of weight in this laser eyes power, that, which is, might be the only thing he has. I mean, I think that's exactly right. And not only that, but Cyrus is rumored to be like crazy, right? So potentially you can safely tell this person, A, because potentially you both share superpowers from the same planet. But B, if you do tell them, this person is already hugely doubted because he believes, you know, it's out that he's not quite right. He's crazy. 
And that really frustrated me too, because, you know, that would, you would seem to think, especially with the so-called kind of proof, like they'd seen the fire in the lab at this point, right? So yeah, I completely agree with you. He should have just said, hey, look at me. Can you do this too? Right. Because like yeah. you said, like that would be perfect. A, a good excuse is Cyrus just wants to be part of a part of something. So of mm -hmm. course, the, anybody who's nice to him must also be an alien. Like you could so easily excuse that away if Cyrus did decide to go and tell people. And just the, so many people know his secret or have known his secret. I don't, it didn't make sense to me that he wouldn't demonstrate something just to try to get that trust. But he didn't. Uh, so we move into our second act. Martha is worried about her pregnancy and wants Dr. Bryce to check her out, but Jonathan is worried about her connection to Lex. Clark and Lex talk at the Talon, and Lex expertly dissects Cyrus's likely outsider profile and drops the bomb that Lana passed on his offer to board Tyson at the mansion stables for free. At the farm, Tyson is very sick. Cyrus shows up to yell at Clark, but ends up healing the horse with light from his hands. So maybe Cyrus... It's just a different alien Krypton has different powers, as we will come to see. Uh, so I feel like I've been talking too much. So second act, what did you want to talk about here? I, yeah, I, this is the other thing, like Cyrus figuring out where Clark lives, coming over to, to yell at him. And I just thought, really, these people do not use the phone at all, right? <laughs> uh, just craziness. But also, um, I realized I really love the... I really love the Jonathan Martha relationship. Oh yeah. You know, like Jonathan, I find excruciatingly annoyingly paternalistic sometimes, but I just really love that, you know, they have this very solid togetherness and I think juxtaposed with, you know, all these different girls swarming around Clark. It's really nice to have that, you know, it's, it seems like um, one of the less complicated relationships everyone else's relationships have so many secrets with throughout them like who can trust who and stuff so that was really nice to see especially when you compare it to Lex and the doctor I thought mm. that was a really nice juxtaposition um and the effect on the horse healing like the, the glow and everything so so now the three of them have seen this potential alien you know so I was just really thinking, like, why can't they just believe that believe him? And it turns into an ET adventure. They all jump on their bikes. Mm. They ride off into the sunset together, you know. Because, you know, um, with ET, when he was making things magically heal, his heart would glow. Yeah. So I was again thinking, oh, is that like a callback or something? But And, yeah, I know this ET thing might seem random. But the other thing was, you know, the headphones? Um mm. To me, it sounded like, you know, the old dial-up modems. And then the guy goes, it's a dial tone. So I was really thinking it was going to be completely Spielberg's eyes. Mm. But yeah, those are just some of my random thoughts around this. Oh, yeah, no, I, I loved all of that. Uh, one thing you didn't touch on that we get in this act is the when Martha is becoming anxious about her pregnancy and she wants to go to Dr. Bryce. What did you think about that part of this act? Okay, so I... I've missed the immaculate conception or whatever kind of conception this is, but I, it does frustrate me that they still trust Lex, you know, in any, or to the point where she really thinks that it's safe to go and consult this doctor who's so involved with Lex now. 
it kind of frustrates me because you know it's like a dumb thing to do and she's being warned and she's still gonna do it mm-hmm. um, yeah but I mean I didn't know the backstory on that conception so much so well so so Martha should not be able to get pregnant so she's in so I don't, we don't know the mechanics of why she's infertile but she's basically unable to conceive naturally that's part of the reason why she wanted a kid and mm-hmm. you know when Clark came into their lives but apparently the ship at some point irradiated her with some sort of energy and then after that she got pregnant naturally and so they believe that the ship's energy is what allowed her to conceive and then later she was about to die and they used the ship to do irradiate her again and this basically brought her back to life like in the hospital she was code blue time of death and then bam she gets hit by this light and she's back alive so she believes that the ship is the only reason why she's been able to conceive, which the show, like, there's no reason to believe otherwise in the show. So that's what, that's what they're referring to. Well, that makes sense. So I, I really am not a fan of this particular plot. And, you know, I know where it goes. I don't know how well you remember the end of season two and what's coming, but maybe, what's that? Spoil me, Michael. Okay. So um, Clark is very selfish and he ends up doing something that leads to a series of events that causes them to wreck the truck and she loses the baby. Oh my gosh. And then they, they gave us them a season three. Yeah. <laughs> 10 <laughs> seasons. Yeah. So 10 seasons. So the end of season two, they're in a, a very bad accident. I don't, I think we actually find out she lost the baby at the end of season two, if I remember correctly, but I know it's season two being season three. So I kind of feel like if they're going to kill the pregnancy, it would be almost more shocking if there wasn't any sort of suggestion that there was a danger with it. And I just almost feel like there's just, they just needed her to do something. I don't know. I, I don't remember how the next couple episodes play out because we're not far from that. We're only like three episodes away or four episodes away from that happening. Maybe it's just the fact that she's never been able to get pregnant and these are normal pregnancy mood swings, but she's mm-hmm. overreacting because of the circumstances, which who could blame her? But I'm just not a fan of her one wanting to see dr bryce and then two doing it behind jonathan's back not to say that she needs his permission to do anything but it just seems like a weird turn for martha and i'm not really a fan of that that part of the plot line myself yeah and that's what i'm saying because so often you see them really united you know so that's kind of sad that she heads off on her own i yeah. Uh, so then we get the scene where we did our cold opening. Uh, so Lex comes and sees Clark once again reading a book. I think this is like the third or fourth time we have a scene of Clark getting a book to read that has something to do directly with that week's episode, which I just find funny. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love when you see Clark with a book because it's like, oh, that's so sweet. Cutie. <laughs> the, he just The title is always super appropriate for the episode, right? Yes. And I've actually tried to find these books. And so far out of all of them, I've only one of them I've actually found is a real book. Okay. And I, I mean, they might be real books, but it's just hard to find because there's maybe a thousand versions of, you know, living with identity crisis or whatever. But I wasn't able to find that specific book to know if it was actually a real book or not. But I do love the way Lex just expertly dissects the situation. And, you know, he brings in his own history and we did the cult open, so we don't need to go into it too deep, but I just, I really liked the way that played. I thought that was a great Lex Clark scene which we don't get a whole lot of now because we're really getting to that tension between them part. 
Uh, and then when we find out that Lex offered to board the horse first and Lana said no, I love Clark's look there. It's like, if, you, if you don't remember it, anybody listening, go back and watch just that little, he like almost gets like a little taller, you know, just a little smile comes on his face. I loved it. Oh, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, I love that whatever the dynamic of the show, generally we we hate Lex being like this the smooth guy who has all the money in the world. So I think we celebrate with Clark hearing that, you know, because it's like our guy, the underdog kind of, even though he's Superman, mm. could get the attention. Right. Uh, and then we cut back to the farm where they were getting the horse into the barn. I guess that Lana had brought it over and then it collapsed. Uh, so the horse is very sick. And then there's this quick moment where I can't lose Tyson too. And my heart kind of breaks for her because she, as a character, has known a tremendous amount of loss. Mm -hmm. But that's a lot of pressure to put on what appears to be a very sick horse. Like, yeah. if you're putting all your hopes on not losing a horse that appears to be dying in front of you, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. Unless there happens to be an alien with magical healing powers around, you're kind of screwed. Well, you know, uh, I did think as well, like she even said, you know, it's a really old horse. It's been around a long time. It's sick. But when I saw the horse, because it kind of, there's a weird shot where the camera's like looking at the horse from on the ground up the horse's nose. And I was like, this is a fake horse. <laughs> like kind of grinning at the camera. <laughs> oh no, that's, that's just a real horse. But it looked, I felt really bad for that stunt horse. Mm. Yeah, maybe maybe enjoys acting asleep or whatever, you know, whatever it was doing. But uh, it, it does look a little bit weird. And then Clark saying, he's going to be fine, Lana. He's a fighter. Again, Clark, you, you shouldn't do that. This is a very old, sick horse. I, I think you would have been better served saying, don't put that much pressure on this. I mean, you know, that the horse dying doesn't mean X, Y, or Z, trying to soften the eventual blow, but be like, no, the horse will be fine. No, because unless an alien shows up with magical healing powers, you're kind of screwed there, Clark. I think both of them are making very bad decisions in this moment. I agree. And I just think at this point, Clark just cannot tell her the truth on anything ever. Right? He's like, so now the horse will be fine knowing it's probably going to die. I'm not, don't really have superpowers. Like, it's all just a date <laughs> communication with this poor woman. Yeah, it's, it's so bad. But luckily for them, Cyrus does show up uh, mad at Clark because Clark talked to Chloe about him. He mm -hmm. feels betrayed. But then he just demonstrates that he does have abilities, and this warm, light glow comes from his hand, and it does appear to heal the horse. So we are led to believe that he does, in fact, have powers. Maybe he does have super strength, super speed, but maybe he has healing, which I think there's a scene coming up where Clark just thinks maybe different Kryptonians develop differently, which is actually a, a rational thought. Mm -hmm. But I would still lean heavily into Meteor Infected if it was me. Same, definitely. And also, did you notice at the end when the actor was doing the healing, they took the hat off, which added intensity to the situation, like really putting effort in. And then when they stood up, the hat was all of a sudden right back on there. I then, did not, did not notice that at all. And as the camera is like, you know, it's like the camera's looking down from on high, right? So you can see the glow. And after the horse is done, like the lines have been said, you can see the actor like Cyrus looking to the camera, like, are we done? <laughs> really interesting i picked that up yeah yeah i i completely missed that one i don't think the horse ever really comes back and it makes me think like now watching it, like i really wish we would find out like does the horse live like a full another life does it like 
twice as old as a horse should be? Or does it, you know, does it like a month later, the sickness come back? I think it lives forever. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Crypto the Wonder Dog. It's uh, Crypto the Super Horse and he and Clark have adventures in space. Um, Lana says like, oh, the the Titan is like a cult again. Mm -hmm. Right. It could be a whole nother generation of life for that horse. They could have like maybe breed it and get some racing horses and finally get some money for that farm. Missed, missed opportunity for sure. All right. So in our third act, Clark is beginning to believe Cyrus is an alien from Krypton too, but Jonathan and Martha still not so sure. Dr. Bryce is exploring the mansion, but finds a room her key won't open. Chloe explains how Cyrus started the fire. It was just a trick. Martha sees Dr. Bryce without telling Jonathan. Clark goes to visit Cyrus and finds Lex there before him. Cyrus shows Clark his transmission tower, but needs the transmitter from school. Clark helps him get it, but they are confronted by the bullies as they leave. And Clark uses his powers to scare them off. But Cyrus realizes Clark is an alien too? Question mark. All right. So third act actually pretty hefty as well. And I see you got quite a few notes. So let's just jump in here. What did you think of the third act? What stood out to you? Okay. So the morning after the miracle Tyson, you know, the healing, Jonathan is skeptical. He's like, oh, I don't know, you know, and you just think, come on, after everything you've seen in Smallville, after raising a small alien baby with superpowers, Clark has seen it. You had seen this horse come back to life and you're choosing to be skeptical. Like, that makes no sense to me. I mean, this goes back to the thing. Everything Mm -hmm. comes back down to meteorites. And then I, yeah, I, I noticed that we've got down here Clark is all in that Cyrus is also from Krypton. And I really felt for him in that moment. Like, you know, you could think that potentially there could be someone else out there to like, you know, share the secret with or have like a buddy, you know, or even the fact that somebody who claims to be from another planet may have communication with the same planet you think you came from. I really love that, you know, Clark's conviction was there because he really wanted this maybe to be true yeah so is this maybe where they mentioned that he has healing and not the other abilities yeah i think this is a conversation where they're saying you know uh, i think he's from krypton i've seen him do these things but not the same thing i think there's a moment where clark says well maybe they develop differently you know we, we don't know that which is true they don't know that exactly and then when we go into the mansion again i just noticed the really uncomfortable like business outfits and the shoes everything so Dr. Bryce is looking around the mansion, yeah? And where is the security guard? Like, two feet behind her. Like, the dude is, like, that corridor doesn't go anywhere. It's not like you're going to patrol that bedroom corridor in a house. And that was just, like, really sneaky. But the whole thing with the woman in the house of her, like, inverted commas, master or husband, who has been given a key to every room but one, that is the classic blue bead bluebeard fairy tale trope right Mm -hmm. and in the fairy tale when the person opens the room you know the the guy comes back the the husband or master would come back and be furious and try and kill the woman so i just thought that was a really nice echo of like potentially hey molly you in danger do you know that kind of vibe right Um, yeah so i I guess let me, because I, I got a couple thoughts here I want to talk about. We'll stay on the Dr. Bryce for a moment, because I, I can see that from multiple lenses. And I'm just curious, Mira specifically, if you are brought into this mansion, this is going to be where you live now, and it's huge, you know, 
12, yeah. 14 bedrooms, eight bathrooms, you know, sol solarium, everything in the world. And you can play anywhere you want, but there's one room that you're not allowed into. Are you the type of person that would be like, cool, I got all this other stuff. I'm not worried about it. Or would you be like, oh God, I have to know what's in that room. I mean, it would absolutely destroy me and break my heart to potentially turn down the wealth and the mansion lifestyle and the jacuzzis and the bathrooms and everything. But I do think, um, you know, like when you want to go live with somebody and then you really love them and then you get in the house and you discover that there's something that they want to keep from you, that would really, that's like a real red flag, scary moment for me. And it would mean I'm going to have to accept that forever this man is inviting me to be part of his world, but he wants to have this thing separate, but not just separate. Like he wants to go on fishing trips with his buddies. He wants me to be locked out with a rule around it. And I just think um, that would bug me till the day I die, right? How you would have to end up sneaking in there one day or, you know, you'd have continual arguments about that. So I think I would have to, I'd have to think this is a scary axe murderer or a Christian Grey type. Like I need to go now. Just find a modest surfer with a shack on the beach with one room that you can just be both in at the same time. Yeah. How about uh, you? What would you do? Hundred percent. I'm getting in that room. Yeah. And, and it's not even going to be subtle. It's going to be like take an axe to the door. We're going to have a conversation. I'm going to vote on the on the other side. And and this may be fiction. I don't know, but I, my wife watches a lot of crime drama. And so I don't know how much of it is like based on truth or, or maybe it was like a true story we were watching, but I'm pretty sure I've seen multiple times where there was like the basement that the wife wasn't allowed into and the husband was a serial killer. And so just the idea, like, like I have like the room I'm in right now is kind of like my quote unquote man cave, but it's, it's my nerd cave. I got all my video games. I got my board games, my role-playing games. I got my recording set, studio set up, but my wife is welcome to come in here. She just doesn't want to. Like, there's nothing in here that interests her. But to have a room that's like, you're not allowed to be in there. Yeah. I think that's a relationship killer. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So many red flags, control issues, like secrets, like a need for a murder room, like all the exes. But and also, like, she's meant to be a doctor. Like, you have to study, like, not just normal medicine, but you probably study, like, psych psych uh psychological conditions do you mm -hmm. know what i mean and uh yeah it made me it made me feel bad for her that she was like yeah that she found herself in that position because she didn't even really want to move in we just saw this like she was somewhat coerced or you know yeah. enticed maybe beyond beyond her comfort level and then to find out that she can't get in, in the room so I, I don't know it's i thought it was interesting uh and i just want to touch again on the fact that i think if this episode was three episodes later, I would have a lot more trouble believing Clark. I just think that just because this follows that last episode specifically, that's why he's so all in on Cyrus being from Krypton. Because, you know, we've seen him with Ryan in two episodes, one in season one and one in season two. Clark would be an amazing big brother. And I think Cyrus is sort of in that role that if he truly is a Kryptonian, he's someone that Clark could be a brotherly figure to. And I think all of that coming together at this moment in time has sort of overrode his logic centers of his brain. And he's working on emotion and emotionally he wants this to be true, mm -hmm. even though I think rationally he probably knows it's not. 
Yeah, I mean, that does make sense to me. Like, he he wants to commit because he wants to believe, right? Yeah. So, um, also in this act, we have the big reveal, the great magic trick, you know? Oh, and it's staged so well. Chloe, like, had this whole presentation put together. Oh, my gosh. And this is just, like, cool to happen in a school. No one's like, put the fire out. Where's the smoke in the corridor? It just seems so excessive. Like, what a weird display of detective skills. And this is how it was done. Yes. Insane. But, yeah, um, yeah I mean, and, and raising so many questions, like, why would you do this? Uh, you know, especially, like, when you know you're being bullied, like, why would... Why would you think this would help you? Yeah. yeah. The part of me that loves Chloe loved that. The part of me that's watching a show 20 years later, that was so dumb. The whole thing. <laughs> it was so dumb. Oh. So, okay. So let's take a look at my notes here see anything else I wanted to talk about. We, we wanted to talk about, um, you, you, you wrote something amazing that I just made me laugh out loud. So both Clark and Lex show up to investigate Cyrus. Yes. And they have this conversation. Lex leaves. Clark says, I'm going to hang out. And then from behind the door. <laughs> Cyrus just steps out. Yes. And you wrote down, was he, wait, was he hiding behind me the whole time? <laughs> so unless he has super speed. Yes, he was just hiding behind that door. How long was Lex there? Was Lex there for 10 minutes? He's been there for like two hours. He could have been in there a long time, just looking uh, over And Cyrus is just standing behind the door, just chilling like a villain. Oh, I thought that was great. Yeah. And also, like, the billionaire Lex going to, like, traveling a long way to, to sniff around by himself. Like, we've just seen he has a, a lackey whose only job seems to be following his girlfriend, like, a <laughs> behind her. Yeah. Like, so one of the goon squad, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, okay, the other big thing in this, um, the build-up is Cyrus is building the transmission tower. And I'm like, how, how does he know the conditions for his departure and how often it happens? So this was all explained. This information is dreamt. He receives this information in dreams, right? Mm -hmm. And I just thought, like, the whole transmission tower looks really intricate to me. And you're in the next act... Like it, it like seems to be bolted into the earth. I was just thinking, how did this high schooler manage to create and architecturally, you know, develop this huge tower? But it's all in his dreams, apparently. But it, it does apparently do something. I, yeah. I don't think it's, but it, it does actually do a thing. So I just though again I definitely have questions about that whole that whole situation. Uh, I'm trying to have, I'm trying to read over my notes to try to think because I think I have misplaced something either in my notes or my head on and how we get from like point A to point B. But is this the part where we see the picture that Cyrus drew and it looks pretty much just like Clark's spaceship? Yeah, I think he saw that. Doesn't Lex like show it to him like, hey, check this out, and that, that's where we see it? I think so. Yeah, they're they're looking at the papers together, aren't they? I think so. Yeah. And I just think that's, it's one of those things where it makes sense to me that the, he clearly saw that from a third person. Like it's, it's not drawn from the viewpoint of the child. Like Clark never drew himself coming yeah. because he was the baby. So I just feel, I feel like right away, that was definitely a, 
they saw this moment. So later when we find out that's the truth, I'm like, I'm totally on board. But I kind of feel like, again, Clark should be logically, look. he needs Chloe. If Chloe was there, she'd have been like, where's the perspective of this picture from? Clearly they weren't inside the ship. At least I think so anyways. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good spot. That's really clever. I didn't think of that. And then this is where Cyrus tells Clark that this is like the only chance in 200 years he can contact his parents. And like you mentioned, like, how does he know that? But that feels very much like a con man thing. Like have they set things up and they're like, but it has to be now. So you don't have time to think about it. We have to do it now. And he talks Clark into breaking into school with him. Also, Michael, he says it happens every 200 years. But we also hear from Cyrus that the buoys have made his life a misery. And he's now choosing this time to start messing with the buoys and get back at them. Really? You have one opportunity in 200 years and you're not just going to lie really low. You're going to go and steal their plug. Come on, like that, that just makes no sense, Cyrus. No yeah, sense. Maybe in his, his head, he also knew that he was full of crap, maybe. <laughs> maybe. He, he was trying to create a situation where he could fail, but then he could like justify failure, not because he was wrong, but because someone else got in the way. Like he, did he want to be stopped? Who knows? Who knows? Hmm. That's something, that's, that's a thinker. But he does talk Clark into Braille, helping him break into school. So this is where we have Clark breaking and entering, of course. Uh, so they go back to school to get that the transmitter for the tower. And the bullies just happen to be there. And I get you got to have coincidences in, in a show, but it seemed like such a huge coincidence. You know, like it'd be one thing if like Cyrus had a car and they took that car. And so they saw Cyrus's car and thought, oh, that's Cyrus. But why would they have any reason to believe Clark and Cyrus were going to break into school and be there at that time of night? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And also, the trucks looked so expensive. Oh, these are brand new. Yes. Yeah. I was like, these bullies must live in, like, I don't know, Smallville Heights, you know? Mm. In the same mansion row that Lex is in. (laughs) Really beautiful, bright, shiny, brand new, expensive trucks. It's a nice truck there. It'd be a shame something happened to it. Yes. Uh, which is what happens. The the bullies come out and Clark uses his heat vision to what appears at first to like set a car on fire, but then it quickly is just com- engulfed in flames. Mm-hmm. But Cyrus absolutely clocks it. Like, that wasn't me, that was you. Which it did seem like kind of weird that, that Clark was trying to gaslight him into thinking he did it. Oh, like, he was- knows he didn't do it. And then he puts together that it must have been Clark that did it. But here we have a vehicle clearly crashed or otherwise destroyed as well. But also, like, if Cyrus could tell that Clark did it, how could the bullies not see that, right? The bullies were so close. It wasn't like they were, like, a mile away. Right. They were right there. They were right there. So, you know, presumably you can add another three people to your list, (laughs) right? Right. I don't I don't know that I count them, but you're right. It's, it's it's debatable. I think this was another one of our debatable use of powers is was there not another way to have accomplished that? Yeah, just run away like really quickly, but not seeming super speed quickly. Just run fast, like look like human fast carrying this little guy. Yeah, there, there definitely were other ways to have solved that. Or I don't know, maybe look outside before you walk out of the place you just robbed basically and see if there's anybody out there and then maybe don't go that way, go a different way. There were so many ways that that could have been solved other than heat visioning a truck and causing it to explode. All right. So in our fourth act here, Clark has shared with Petey that Cyrus knows about Clark and Petey is rightfully upset. 
Lana lets Clark know Cyrus was just picked up by Child Protective Services and being evaluated at the hospital. Clark breaks him free so he can make his call. Dr. Bryce confronts Lex about the locked room. And Cyrus is about to make his call, turning his tower on, but the bullies show up and begin to tear it down. So there are some there are some moments in this act that just I love and I love that I hate them and I hate them that I love them. But let's start with Petey. You know, it was such a big deal for Clark to tell Petey. And Petey has been under this extreme pressure. And we've, we've been told multiple times that he's sort of not frustrated, but he's he's under the weight of keeping the secret. And then to find out that Clark's just willy-nilly telling the, the class weirdo, I kind of feel like Petey's got a point here being upset. I agree. I mean, I think but you know, that Petey has always been a really weird one for me because I feel like, yes, he's a great guy, but like, how can you trust him more than the girl that you're in love with that repeatedly says to you, trust me, tell me the truth, what's happening? And it's just a really odd choice, isn't it, right? So he's put Petey in this condition where he's like, you're the only one I know, which then puts him under pressure, but also potentially has shown you you may be safe to do so with people that you trust. I really feel for PT. Like, yeah. You know, I, only I, get regularly beaten and smashed in. <laughs> but, and then PD has a great idea. He's like, let's just test him with Green Meteor Rock. I can walk up behind him with a Green Meteor Rock and we'll know. And why, why didn't they do that? That's a great idea. It would have been so, so simple. But, you know, where would be the drama in that? I agree. But here's my question from a writer standpoint why do you write? that in the show if you're not at least going to give us a reason why you don't do it because I, I was as the audience member i'm like that's a great idea and then i'll tell you why michael okay it's because they decided the writers decided oh we, we need to get around to start calling this stuff kryptonite we need to get that in somehow right so mm-hmm. Petey could then say oh maybe i could walk up with some meteor right behind him and then clark stops it and says Oh, actually, we're calling that kryptonite. Yeah, it's called kryptonite now. Yeah. Which I have to question, why would you do that? Because eventually someone else might overhear, right? Mm -hmm. And so now you have to explain, well, why are you calling it kryptonite? What does that mean? Well, there's this planet kryptonite. How do you know about it? You know, like (laughs) if you just call it meteor rock, everyone knows what you mean. And you yes. don't put yourself in danger of being found out. It's a bad decision to do that. Oh, you know, Clark is taking these jars and he's filling them with worms, just ready to be opened at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing it? Absolutely. For us fans of the Superman lore, that's cool, right? We finally it have is. the light is in play. Yeah. But I agree with you. Dumb. Yeah. Last episode, we found out his name, Kal-El, and we learned the name of the planet. And then now we get kryptonite. So the last two episodes, there's been some big superman moments that uh, that are that are actually pretty cool uh lana drops by apparently just to tell clark that cyrus was picked up uh again long way to go for what i assume is a short conversation because mm-hmm. the very next thing we see is clark in the hospital breaking him out of a hospital bed so we have cyrus in a hospital bed but my favorite thing about ha- that happens here is clark breaks him out hands him his clothes and then just stands there and watches him walk away. Cyrus is not capable of sneaking out of this hospital. He's wearing robes, carrying his clothes. There's going to be an orderly that tackles him. Like there's the, Clark, you need to help get him out. This isn't just like you only half did your job here. This makes no sense to me. So Clark is really bought into the idea. He's seen this 
person's superpower. He believes that, you know, he's seen that there's a spaceship picture. If this dude is off to contact potentially someone from the planet you are from, would you not be like right there up the tower with that person? Just made no sense to me. And I get that he says home is here. Right. That's cool. But you'd still go along and find out what what's happening like what's all this about right right yeah because i think here we, we this is again getting to the nitpick the reason i buy clark's actions in this episode is because i feel like he really is in the, the vulnerable state to believe it but then you can't have him also be distant like this when the time comes if he is so desperate to have someone from krypton then I can't believe that he wouldn't also want, even if he doesn't say I'll go, he would want to be there when the ship shows up. Maybe it was his parents. He doesn't know. You know, we have the Kawachi cave. So we have the idea that Kryptonians have visited earth in the past. So maybe he could get information, but not leave. The, like it doesn't make sense for him to, to go one way and then the other. It seems like this is just convenience and plot. Unfortunately. Agree. Agree. But I do wish his parents had heard him say that Earth is, is his real home, because I think they, they are the ones that need to hear that, not Cyrus. Yeah, it's, it's always difficult bringing up a superpowered alien baby, because, you know, is he going to be one of those kids that's living at home, aged 28, moving his girlfriend in? Probably not, you know? Mm. That kid's going to have a destiny, and that's always a really sad dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, so we get a quick uh, quick scene at the mansion where uh, Dr. Bryce confronts Lex about this room. Oh, my God. The locked room. Come on. Like, if I, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but if I had a boyfriend and he was like, oh, yeah, here's my locked room. And it was like there was a big picture of what looks like a male model on a screen. <laughs> and not only that, but all of the screens were in motion, like just doing you know the thing what a waste of electricity but sure I would turn around and walk the hell out of there like maybe she does the next episode the first scene with her is going this is too much bye yeah this is too much but, bye but i think what is i think what we're supposed to get from the audience here is because in this episode martha had went to dr bryce and talked about the pregnancy and that it's weird mm -hmm. dr bryce doesn't know all but she has she has some information about Clark's uh, heritage. She knows that Martha technically died and then has been revived. And then to see that there's all this evidence that there's something up with Clark, you know, I think maybe her curiosity gets the better of her that she's like, you know, there is something here. And, and she even knows more than Lex does at this part or in mm -hmm. some ways. So maybe that's why she's sticking around, but it is, it would definitely be weird. I would definitely say it would be Has the audience seen the, this cave before have we seen this room we we have seen this room before yeah because can you imagine if that was the big reveal like that he had like his own bat cave to research clark kent that would have been really cool but as it as it stands just deeply troubling so i mean you had to think like what did she think was in there like was it again was it a christian gray sex dungeon yes maybe was, she's relieved you're right you're yeah. right or disappointed like... maybe i don't know i mean <laughs> you know you, you do you but like did she think it was like a bouncy house was it like a video game because i you know maybe it was like like a man cave was it like a brewery does he like do it at home but out of everything that she thought might be in that room 
I'm betting a monument to Clark was not what she was expecting. No way, no way would she have figured that one out. <laughs> All right, so we wrap up here. Um, Chloe and Petey are at the, uh, at the loft, and they basically fill Clark in on Cyrus escaping, because Clark you know, obviously didn't know, and that he's not an alien. In fact, he's an orphan, because Chloe, again, miraculously does all this crime solving. She's the world's greatest detective, not Batman. It's Chloe, and she puts all the pieces together that he was lost, became an orphan during the storm, uh, meteor storm, was brought in by this couple, but then they died because they were old, which is what would have happened in some cases, uh, and that he's not an alien. He's just troubled. Well, I, I kind of contest this because the way I watched it, um, she had a picture and she went, they, these, this family was vaporized and then these elderly people found the kid. But the whole family could have been vaporized, right? With the baby right. in it. And they still could have been a space baby. So Chloe presents what I felt was a photograph. No orphanage records, no like DNA. And now Clark is completely convinced it's the other way. Right. Like, come on. Like, yeah. Anyway, I found that amusing. So, so maybe it was a bigger leap than, than we gave it credit for at the top. Because it's definitely a leap to go from he's an alien to, no, he's he's this particular child. And right. not only that, but we're, I mean, it's it's good inductive reasoning, but it's still guesswork. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's not fact at this point. Uh, so we go to the tower and Cyrus is, turns it on. It's doing something, but the bullies show up and they're ready to tear this whole tower down with Cyrus on it. Because again, they're bullies and they're jerks and we don't like them. All right. So in our fifth act, Clark keeps the tower from falling, but inadvertently causes an injury to one of the bullies. Cyrus misses his opportunity to phone home to heal the injured kid and then collapses into Clark's arms. Uh, Lex shows Dr. Bryce's investigation room. Lana and Clark stare into the night sky. So, yeah, so we get our fifth act. The bullies are basically, they got their truck backed up. They got a big chain wrapped around the tower. They're trying to pull it down while Cyrus is in the top, which I'm pretty sure is going to kill this kid, right? I mean, the Cyrus yeah. is probably dead if they if they pull this tower over. Full on bullying. Like, this is so murdery. Yeah, this is, I mean, it, it's escalation for sure. Uh, but Clark zooms in and grabs the tower from the other side so no one sees him, but he's he's basically pulling against the the truck. And this causes the chain to snap. And this is actually pretty gruesome. Mm -hmm. Like the chain snaps back and hits the kid. And we get the scene, I don't know if it's right here a little bit later, but he looks like his neck is broken. And yeah. it's actually pretty convincing makeup here. Like it looks kind of gross. And not to victim blame or bully bully shame here, but he was standing where the tower was being pulled down. Mm -hmm. So if the chain hadn't broken, Clark hadn't shown up, he would have still gotten killed because the tower would have fell on him. I know, right? Like, he was clearly psychotic. Like, this guy was not a good guy. And then the, uh, the resulting injury was so severe that his neck broke. Jeebus crackers. Like... And you're right, the makeup effect was so gross. Thank goodness they didn't put like bone crunching noises when mm. they healed them up and stuff. But, um, you know, the payoff for this is, well, firstly, I noticed the tower. Did you see the construction? And we're supposed to believe a teenager put that tower together without superpowers. And then, so maybe he is an alien. And then just the fact that like, it was a reasonable response to pull this thing down and potentially kill the, the poor dude. I just felt was like, come on. But 
I really loved the, I loved it that the tower started to do something. Mm-hmm. Cause that was like a big payoff for me. I was like, okay, it is happening. And then, then the thing that ruined the episode where Clark's like, you should save this guy's life who was about to murder you. Mm. And that he would, and then he, you know, I think you noted this, Clark persuades Cyrus to heal the bully rather than go meet his parents, potentially. Right. And why, why would you do that? Why would Clark persuade him to do that? But then you, your parents think that you may be calling them from a remote, uncivilized planet and they give you like 20 seconds, 20 seconds of their time, you know? I was like, oh, I just really felt for Cyrus. It, it turned out to be a crank call. It's like he called him, <laughs> but then he wasn't there. It's like, like we flew across the universe for you, you dumbass. But what, what got me about that is Clark, Clark convinces him to heal the kid. And then later he says, but why would Cyrus give up his chance to go home to heal this boy? Because you convinced him. You were the one that did it. Oh. It's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. He, he completely just doesn't realize his influence on people, apparently. I also question Clark's, the way that he stopped the tower from falling. Like, I think he could have, like, done it differently and not caused the chain to snap and kill somebody. Like, he could have blew up the truck again or just flattened the tires or, you know, yeah. hit, cut the chain in half with his heat, heat vision right where the guy was standing so neither side would have hit him. There were many other ways he could have done that. So, yeah, even if even if Cyrus had been thrown from a falling tower, he could have caught him in time, picked him up. You're absolutely correct. There were yeah. so many other things he could have done. So many other ways. But at the end of the day, the, the bully is healed. Cyrus, apparently, the maybe the effort, it's never really explained, but the effort of healing weakened him or the fact that he thought he missed his opportunity home causes him to have what they call a complete mental breakdown. And he's like an empty shell. He's, he's a vegetable at this point. He's, he's alive as far as we know, but he's got no mental processes. So that's why he's not able to share Clark's secret. Mm. Sad. And then uh, we, I think we end at, uh, no, we, we go to the mansion where this is where we get the, the reveal of the Clark shrine. Is there anything else you want to talk about that? Just again, with the incredibly excruciatingly uncomfortable business clothes, I cannot get off that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that we now don't know if Dr. Bryce is going to turn full baddie and start informing on the, the Kents or, you know, whether she'll be good. I mean, that's an interesting dynamic that we're going to watch play out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is she going to be a good influence on Lex and try to steer him away from that? Does she lean into it? Does she you know, become his partner in this investigation. There's lots of things that they could do with her. I'm sad to report they choose the worst possible option. Oh no, does she get do- she get killed in a freak accident? <laughs> uh, it's actually worse than that. Uh, I don't know if, I, do you want to be spoiled? Spoil me, Michael. Okay, so they get married. They go on their honeymoon. Turns out she's been a bad guy all along. She, oh. kill- she kills the pilot. Uh, parachutes out, leaving Lex to crash in the plane and die. But he survives. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's it's total character assassination. There's no justification for what she does. And then she she's in like two episodes next season and then they ride her out. It's yeah. terrible. Uh, yeah, I literally hate that what they did with her character. I wonder if they I wonder if you could track that to like writers switching in and out. You never know. Or like 
actors' contracts or something. That's Maybe because uh, she, I know she, she was a big part of um, Two and a Half Men. She was like one of Charlie oh, Sheen's okay. girlfriends for quite a long time. And I don't know which which one came first, but maybe she left this show to go to that show. I don't know. Maybe she won it off the off show. I don't know. But I I really dislike the way they treated her character. Can we, can we blame it on Charlie Sheen? Yeah, why not? He can, yeah, he doesn't get enough blame. Uh, so I think we end. We're actually at the farm with the loft. Um, Lana stops by. The other side by David Gray is playing. Uh, I didn't find any lyrics that strongly connected, but just feels like death is a theme here. And obviously Cyrus isn't truly dead, but he's kind of dead. Uh, Lana says if Cyrus really was an alien, she would try to keep an open mind, but that she might be freaked out. I would note once again, Chloe thought it was super cool. He could be an alien, was totally into it, and absolutely would be okay with Clark's secret. And then we do get the scene, there's a shooting star, which is another thing that happens in the show a lot. You will see like a lot of times when we're seeing the night sky, and I think this might be the first shooting star, but it is by far not the last that we will see in the show. <laughs> oh, right, so- I love that. I love yeah. that there's a romantic counterpoint and um, it's really clever to compare like Chloe and Lana. But again, I think Chloe seems, you know, she's impressive and she has the fire trick and she's like, I'd be really cool with aliens. Whereas with Lana, we get, so much vulnerability and openness and you know it's just a really it's a beautiful juxtaposition between two very different kind of powers there mm-hmm. all right well final, any final thoughts on the episode uh did you like it did you didn't like it did you didn't like it do you not like it what are your thoughts i really like this one um i think i lucked out last time because we had the halloween themed one and i really enjoyed that and i yeah. really enjoyed this one as well and I was just so happy that you invited me back. And I'm so stoked for season three, if you need me. Mm-hmm. Sign-ups are going on now. Feel free to jump in and grab an episode. So I always like to take a look at the episode through that lens of man versus Superman. You know, Clark wants to be the all-American boy, have a girl next door, play football, eat hot dogs and apple pie. But he can't because he's actually a Kryptonian and he keeps getting in the way. And mm-hmm. I think that that is what this show is doing is it's exploring that struggle of within himself so looking at this episode kind of with that in mind what did you think about this episode any additional thoughts or how do you think this episode lands is it more of a superman episode or man episode or what do you think i think one of the familiar tropes in coming of age movies is things like stepping up to bullies right mm-hmm. that real all-american kind of theme like standing up for other people and you kind of see how that works out for Clark because he cannot solve problems with bullies in a normal way. He has to use superpowers. In the first confrontation, Cyrus obviously does something, but then in the second one, he blows up a truck and the third one is holding down a tower. You just have to think about how emotionally he's unable to kind of deal with these things on a normal human level because he's not separate from his superpowers. And that's kind of like... um, as much as he's heroic and he saves his friends, the tragedy is not being able to meet his friends or fellow humans on that level of frailty. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, I didn't think of that in, in those terms, but you know, I think what you say totally tracks and makes sense. When I thought about this episode in that way, I kind of see Cyrus as that sort of mirrored reflection. We kind of touched on that earlier that, you know, if Clark was more open about his true heritage, how would people mm-hmm. react to him? And so I feel like here, He's trying to be more human because he doesn't want to be Cyrus. But when given the opportunity, 
would he actually try to go home? And in here we find out, no, you know, he potentially also gave up an opportunity to maybe connect with someone from Krypton. So I kind of feel like this falls into a man episode, but it's, it's like 60, 40. It's not like a really swing one way or the other, but I think it's interesting to see a potentially another Kryptonian, how they dealt with this and compared to Clark's decisions and how it worked out or didn't work out for him. Yeah. So, Alrighty, so now you get a chance to ask your question for next week's uh, co-host. So what is your pass the torch question? My pass the torch question is, if you could save a school bully from death after he tried to kill you, or take a chance that your parents may be beaming you up to take you to your home planet, you think you're an alien, yeah. what would you do? Oh, okay. All right. So what? this is the, the, the moral choice. Do we save someone who tried to kill us or do we get the dream that we've dreamt our whole life? Hmm. Interesting. I would be like, bye bye. <laughs> Beat me up, Scotty. <laughs> See, I wouldn't want to be you. Awesome. Mira, thank you so much for joining me. Again, I had an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, one last time, where can people find you on the internet if they want to interact with you or any of the projects you're working on you'd like to share? Just come and tell me about your transmissions from your home planet at Mira Manga anywhere on the internet and I'll say hi. Fantastic. Uh, as for myself, my name is Michael. You can find everything I do uh, at the RPG Academy, except for this show, which has it's farm to fable, has own Twitter, Facebook, and email. So please email me, smallvillefancast at gmail.com. Uh, we are now up to 15 U.S. iTunes reviews. We got one three-star review, which I can't really argue with their comments or critiques, so we'll take it. But we then quickly got a five-star, so it kind of takes a little bit of the sting away. Uh, but we're still slowly marching towards my ultimate goal of getting to 100 or more of those. So uh, I think in total, we're up to like close to 20 between all the different places I can check. Um, but yeah, so if you haven't yet left a review, please consider doing that. And then just a reminder to stay after the closing credits for the scoreboard. Farm to Fable is a Smallville rewatch fan cast and is not officially affiliated with DC Comics, Warner Brothers Television, the CW Network, or any other owners of Smallville and or its related source materials. As such, these companies retain sole ownership of all symbols, images, names, logos, and other proprietary material related to Smallville. Our use of logos, images, names, likenesses, and sound clips are being used under the Fair Use Guidelines. Our logo was created by Michael Waldschlager II. You can find Michael on Twitter at LoserMLW. Farm to Fable is written, edited, and produced by me, Michael Ross, with additional input by weekly co-hosts as credited in each episode's show notes. And now, let's check the scoreboard. Total number of vehicles wrecked. We're now at 37, with Clark using his heat vision to set fire to one of the trucks from the schoolboys that were after him and Cyrus. Total number of times a person has been knocked unconscious. We're now at 79 with Cyrus lapsing into unconsciousness in Clark's arms after using his healing ability on the school bully whose neck had been broken. So I have a question for you, Mira. I'll have you, I'll have you jump in here. Do we count the school bully as going unconscious because his neck was broken? Because he's laying there. I don't know. Do we count him too or not? I think we just count him as dead. So then he's actually brought back to life. Right. Wow. Okay. So we'll say a 79 then. Uh, so looking at our main cast, the total number of times they've been knocked unconscious, Lana has still just been knocked unconscious, 10. She definitely has brain issues. Lex, 8. Chloe, 6. Clark, 5. Jonathan Kent, 5. Petey, 5. Martha, 3. Lionel, 2. And 
total number of times someone goes to the hospital, we're now at 35 with Cyrus being taken there for evaluation. So looking at our main cast, Clark has been taken to the hospital just the one time, Petey four times, Chloe three times, Lana three times, Lionel twice, Lex once, and Martha once. And then the total number of times Clark has told someone or showed someone other than Lana his abilities, we're now at 32 with an asterisk.